Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll hear from Tony Dow, who shares about his day as an informatics pharmacist that is broken down into one, breaks and fixes, two, requests, and three, long-term projects. He also talks a little bit more about his hobbies, which include running an escape room business, writing music, and performing magic. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Okay, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Tony Dow. He is a PharmD and has his certification for HIMSS. He graduated in 2012 from USC School of Pharmacy and started a role as an informatics pharmacist at the Ventura County Healthcare Agency to help them implement their new EHR. He then took a role closer to home at CHOC Children's as a pharmacy informatics specialist, doing mostly the same tasks with additional projects in oncology, EHR, and clinical documentation. Tony has been involved in ASHP on the section advisory group under the section for pharmacy informatics and technology, and is also involved at the local level at the OC, uh, PHA, as a board member and podcast host. He also hosts his own podcast uh, for pharmacy informatics topics called Pharmacy IT and Me and co-founded the Pharmacy Informatics Academy with some colleagues. Tony is currently sitting on the editorial advisory board for Pharmacy Times and teaches at various pharmacy schools on pharmacy informatics. Tony, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Really excited to uh, to have our conversation today. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, like outside of everything that you already said, I guess some of my hobbies I have an escape room business. I'm really into escape room games and puzzles. So I run that with a few of my co-owners and friends. And they also write music and perform magic. So I used to be a magician before pharmacy school for a couple years. That is so fascinating that you've got so many different passions outside of outside of pharmacy. And I'm sure the music helps with uh, the podcasting as well. So lots of different fun skills. I can't wait to ask a little bit more about some of those. Um, so Tony, you, um, are in this kind of, uh, well, not emerging field, but growing field. I feel like, um, I data and, and it is just getting even more traction and, um, you know, how did you decide to get into pharmacy informatics? Yeah, so I guess I want to back up a little bit about, I guess, why I got into pharmacy. So that's kind of the first step. Um, When I was like thinking about, you know, patient care, making impacts, I was always thinking about pharmacy as the best way to do that because I wanted to make an impact on patients, but I didn't really want to, I guess, limit my impact because of issues of um, accessibility. 
So like on the community side, on the retail side, pharmacists are, you know, the very accessible uh, healthcare providers for patients. So I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to be accessible to the patients, making them, uh, you know, impacting them uh, one patient at a time. No need to make appointments, just speak with you right away, pharmacy consults, things like that. So, so that's when I decided to go to pharmacy school. And as I was going through pharmacy school, I found out that there was a field that kind of merges the technology piece with pharmacy called uh, pharmacy informatics. And, you know, when thinking about the big picture, when I'm thinking about like making impacts to healthcare, impacts to patient, I really felt like I could make a larger impact in the field with informatics because I would be working on these uh, electronic systems and uh, technology tools that other people would be using, uh, like pharmacists or uh, doctors, providers, and nursing, they would be using these tools to provide care. So if I'm working on these tools a little bit upstream, I'm kind of making an indirect larger impact on all these patients. And, you know, I've always been a techie person, so it was kind of a no-brainer for me that maybe I could use my strengths and then combine it with the clinical knowledge that I was able to pick up from pharmacy school and uh, working as a pharmacist a little bit. Uh, And that's why I decided to uh, move into the path of pharmacy informatics. Awesome. Yeah, that extra background is really helpful. Um, I, you know, I see a lot of students who are have that tech uh, background and skill set, and it's such a nice fit for them to be able to kind of combine those skills. Um, so, Tony, tell us a little bit more about how you were trained in informatics. Did it start in pharmacy school, or was it more on the job? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because, uh, you know, during pharmacy school, at least when I was in school, there was pretty much no education on this field of pharmacy informatics. It was mostly from my own research, my own searching about like what other fields are out there. And, you know, it happened to come up that pharmacy informatics was a field. So there was no formal training process, uh, you know, during school. And there are residency programs out there uh, that would have a PGY2 component where, they would kind of formally train you in that, but I didn't get into that role. So what I ended up doing was I pretty much got hired onto an implementation team out, uh, you know, right after I got my pharmacy license. And um, they, they kind of hired me because I was able to uh, network with, you know, um, my preceptors who knew uh, the hiring people for Ventura County Healthcare Agency. They kind of just knew that I was one of those people that were um, highly uh interested in technology and pharmacy. So that's how I got started with that. And a lot of my training actually came through the form of self-guided learning. So, uh, you know, my first job as an informatics pharmacist, when you work as an informatics pharmacist, when you're in that position, you start to gain the access to the online connect forums or user web forums for where you would be working. uh, And you could actually engage in conversation with other healthcare informatics professionals from other institutions across the world that would be uh, using the same vendor for you as the EHR. And in my case, uh, we use Cerner. And, you know, if you're not in a place that's using Cerner, then you're not going to have access to those Cerner forums, those Cerner Connect forums. So, you know, for me, in terms of my training, I really went through a lot of the online material that they provided. And I really spent a lot of my time in my first year just reading just participating as much as I could on the forums and doing the work for the institution and spending, you know, even a good amount 
maybe it was a total of 80 to 90 hours a week uh, dedicated to informatics so that I could provide value to the uh, the institution. And, um, you know, in addition to that, too, there is formal training courses that's, that's provided by the vendor. Uh, but I really want to emphasize that it really doesn't sink in unless you are engaging in the usage of the tools and seeing how the different institutions out there are using these, tool, these tools differently for their sites. So that's kind of like my training background in it, where it's more of like self-guided and in the weeds of doing it as well. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Yeah. And tell the listeners a little bit more about what, what some day-to-day things or what are some of the projects, I guess, uh, that you do as an informatics pharmacist? Yeah. So my day is actually broken down into major components. Um, I do want to emphasize too that there is no real day today, but if I had to break it down to a day today, it'll be broken down into these three things. The first is break fixes, and then the second is uh, requests, and then the third is long-term projects. So break fixes, mm, I like that. You know, yeah, yeah. So so break fixes are just like what you expect it to mean. These are things mm-hmm. that are broken and they need mm-hmm. to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So. And this encompasses a lot of different technologies that the institution uses. Um, you know, for example, computerized provider order entry, the clinical decision support and the alert systems. Uh, we have automated dispensing cabinet issues. Sometimes we have issues with barcode medication administration. Uh, sometimes our infusion pumps, they have issues with the guardrails. And sometimes maybe the IV workflow software has issues, the one that's being used in the compounding room. And, you know, there's just a lot of different issues. It really depends on what technology the institution is using. And those are just some examples of what I've had experience with. Um, And then for requests, these are categorized as new functionality that we don't have yet, but it would be nice to have. Yes. So there's like, (laughs) oh yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I I am thinking about all of this as we're building our IT team. I'm like, that is the those are the perfect buckets and labels to use. So I, I, I love that. I, I, I am eager to learn more about kind of how you have structured um, your workflow. And um, it's, re- it's resonating with me as we're building out our IT team. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like it, it is broken down this way because it's a, it's a way to manage these things that are coming in. So like, you know, when I talked about the break fixes, those are kind of like, okay, we kind of need to put a Band-Aid on this right now or fix it. And then, you know, the requests are the nice-to-haves, but there is a fine line between requests and major projects. So requests would be kind of like on a smaller scale where it's like new functionality that it wouldn't require an entire team maybe, but it can be implemented in maybe just a few weeks or so. And some examples of those requests at, you know, where I'm at is like, maybe requesting the pharmacist to be able to view multiple patient profiles at the same time or requesting for a new medication to be added to the system because now it's on formulary. Like those are the kind of like things that we classify as requests and not so much break fixes and not so much 
uh, larger projects. So, um, so yeah. So, and then the projects, uh, I guess for the projects, they're a lot longer. And an example of that is for us, we're going live or we've been live with a new oncology EHR that we're still improving. And that's a major long-term project. And, um, other major projects would be configuring and implementing new technology pieces that need a whole team to work together. And I could give you an example for that is the, the project that I'm working on right now is uh, implementing a drug diversion application that integrates with our EHR. So it evaluates dispensing and administration logic, kind of flags whether uh, these are at risk for diversion or not. And because the project requires a pharmacy team, but also the application programming team, the vendor team, and the report writing team, it becomes large enough and with a long, long enough timeline that it really needs to be a project that's officially managed by a project manager. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like that's basically what I do each day. If I really had to break it down and give some semblance of like a, a routine schedule, but again, in reality, there's no days that feel routine because. You know, it's so different each day, but it's actually pretty cool for me because uh, I'm always charged and I'm never bored with what I'm doing because everything's like changing a lot. Yeah. Well, that's really helpful. It gives a good framework. So, Tony, um, you know, we are still in this COVID-19 era. So tell us a little bit more about what are some of the things that you're working on specifically with that or and how you see healthcare informatics and IT changing in the future? Yeah, so you know, thanks for asking this question. It's really interesting with what's ever with everything that's going on right now. Um, for us, like we are not doing as significant things regarding specifically to COVID nineteen as um as you know what people may think. We do have uh, builds in the system where we are tracking. Uh, you know, medications that are being ordered that are the study medications being used right now for the, the COVID-19 study. So we're doing a tracking of that so that our infectious disease, uh, you know, uh, department can keep that on track and make sure that there's not like inappropriate prescribing and things like that. But I do want to bring up, you know, on a larger scale, like I do see that a lot of changes are happening now in the healthcare IT space. And I've personally seen a lot of adoption with telehealth services. And um, have you been seeing a lot of that for your end? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I wish I could quote the numbers on adoption rates for um, telehealth. Um, You know, they're what, like, you know, I think it's probably increased, like, I don't even know. I mean, like 10 X or, or, or something. It's just, it's just been so huge. And, um, of, of course people seeing providers and, and I personally had, had used it in the past. Um, and it's incredibly helpful, you know, if pa- patients aren't wanting to go in and see their provider or, you know, I'm currently, um, expecting our first, uh, child in August and, some of my OB visits have even gone to virtual. So um, they're trying to keep patients, you know, out of the doctor's offices if they are well and everything's going fine. Um, but yeah, I just, I bet there's some, some even more opportunities specifically with, with pharmacy. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's exciting what is coming ahead. 
Yeah, definitely. But you know, like if you also look around you, the there's there's a lot of growing pains with telehealth. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, adopting telehealth at such a fast rate, we're starting to see some of the failings of our own internet infrastructure. Uh, so mm-hmm. broadband, you know, like, it's not on rural areas. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of the big things, like you said, is providing telehealth to rural areas where they may there may not be access to healthcare providers easily. So now that we're seeing this rapid adoption, we're starting to see that rural areas are probably a lot more pro- problematic too, because many spots don't have like a strong internet connectivity to support the level of video conferencing needed for these telehealth okay. services. Um, so, you know, I think at least I'm hoping that the healthcare IT is causing the country to you know, the, the whole COVID uh, situation is causing the country to start investing into a better connectivity infrastructure as a whole so we can move forward with, like, more telehealth services. Um, so, yeah. Completely agree. And then, of course, we're still going to have some um, some people who it may not be a good fit for. Like, I, I think of my grandmother. Not only is she in a rural area, and um, actually does not have internet, really. She doesn't have a big need for it, but she's got a smartphone. Um, but I could just, you know, she's. we've taught her a little bit on Instagram how to look at pictures when we post those. And um, But I, I can't imagine her hopping onto a, a doctor's call um, to have that kind of, of um, interface. So, um, yeah, I, I think that some some adoption from consumers will still be a little bit slower. Um, but, you know, um, there's there's going to be even more um, opportunities with like remote patient monitoring, having patients check and send their blood pressure, their blood glucose levels in or, you know, there's there's monitors that are like act automatically sending in that data. And so if there's an alert or something, then, you know, instead of waiting until the next visit, then, you know, the, their care provider is able to be more on top of things and able to kind of switch or pivot or, or give some, um, additional, um, uh, care when needed. So, um, it is exciting and, uh, yes, lots of growing pains, as you mentioned. Um, so Tony, you've got your own podcast and, you know, you mentioned that, uh, a lot of how you got into, uh, informatics or a lot of how you learned about it was, um, self-guided. So tell us a little bit more about your podcast and the Pharmacy Informatics Academy. Oh yeah, sure. So um, my podcast, uh, as you mentioned before, is called Pharmacy IT and Me. And I really started the podcast for a few reasons. Like, first of all, I love listening to podcasts as a way for me to digest information while commuting. Uh, and when I was looking for Pharmacy Informatics podcasts out there, I found that, you know, at the time, there wasn't any. So I really wanted to provide one to see how many people out there would actually be opening to listening to such a niche topic. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> there were a lot of people. And um, the the other reason, too, is that I get a lot of questions from students and other pharmacists about what is pharmacy informatics and what are some of these terms and tools. And I answer a lot of these questions. Um, mm-hmm. But then I got to the point where I was starting to forget like what I was answering or who I was answering to. So the podcast was kind of like a way for me to also centralize my own knowledge to make it available for um, people who are asking me these questions. So um, so that's another reason. And then I also have 
Uh, a third reason, which is about pharmacy, informatics, and healthcare IT news, which prior to the podcast, you know, I I read the news uh, here and there, but after having the podcast and forcing myself to create an episode each week or so about the healthcare IT news, it forces me to keep up to date on what's going on out there. So it's more of like, you know, holding myself accountable for that. Um, and then the last thing about the podcast is that, you know, the pharmacy informatics field is so vast. It's, it's pretty crazy. One person doing a pharmacy IT or informatics role may be doing something completely different than another person in the same role. So part of the podcast for me is also interviewing all these different pharmacists and even some healthcare IT leaders on what their role is. And this allows me to learn so much more about what's out there and also allows me to pass this on to my listeners so that they can learn that as well. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of like my background with the podcast. And I guess for your question for the Pharmacy Informatics Academy uh, that my colleagues and I are working on, we really have two goals. And the first goal is to provide a no-cost free resource for students in a structured manner uh, for them to learn about informatics since there's a gap in a lot of the pharmacy schools now about the topic. And, uh, you know, it's something that we're working on now. We haven't have a deliverable yet but it's still in the process right now. I really want to emphasize, however, that pharmacy informatics is a niche field and it does require a lot of hard work to be hired into the field. And the goal of the academy is not to provide something that's all encompassing and, you know, the end all curriculum because we're not the experts. Like this is just for an introduction. It's really just to uh, have the students who want to learn a little bit more get the introduction that they may not be getting in their curriculum. And it's still really up to the student or the pharmacist to really continue their hard work for additional steps that they need to take towards that career path if that's truly what they want to do. Um, and then, you know, the, the second thing about the academy is we wanted to provide an avenue for currently working professionals to contribute their thoughts and their tips and tricks and what they're doing nowadays in their day to day to be successful. And of course, we only launched in December. And we didn't really start posting content until like around April. And we're still working on that free content for the free course for the students and tweaking the website for contributors. So we would love to hear any constructive criticism from anybody. And we're really just experimenting to see like, what's the most value that um, will be provided for people following us. And we based this on surveys that we conducted and a lot of things like that. So if there's any criticism, please just let us know. We're still new and we're still malleable and we want to make sure we provide a valuable uh, platform for everyone. That's great. Um, so Tony, let's jump back into your escape room business. So how do you run that? You're also have a, you know, your full-time job and these other things that you're doing on the side. And is there any connection or tie in with pharmacy or, or why does it pull in some of your magician background kind of, um, interests? Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, we all have our hobbies and, you know, mine are puzzle solving and performing magic. So, um, you know, a few of my friends and I, we, we all like work from different in industries, but, uh, our passion is playing escape rooms together. So we were like, Hey, let's just start one together and then uh, contribute back to the community that we really enjoy. So we got together, open up an escape room. Um, 
I guess for those of you who don't know what it is, an escape room is an activity where you and your friends or coworkers are placed in the room with a, you know, a defined story and your team works together to solve puzzles and figure out the narrative to escape the room within the allotted time, which is usually 60 minutes. So not only is it a fun activity, but work teams can also like foster better team dynamics when doing an activity like this. So it's rewarding for them to gain something out of it while it's also rewarding for us to provide an avenue for you know, not only entertainment, but skills development. And I guess for your question about how is it tied back to pharmacy, uh, even though it's not directly related to pharmacy, healthcare itself is such a team dynamic that, you know, my co-owner, my co-owners and I, we really believe that escape rooms are an entertaining and fun way to improve team that team dynamics for uh, healthcare teams and any other industry where teamwork is uh, really important. Sure. Hmm. Very cool. Um, well, Tony, I always like to ask this as my final question for all my guests. What is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? So it's going to sound like a broken record because many people have said this, but networking and mentorship, like yeah. that's something I really wish I started on earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't start really trying to network until near the end of my uh, school years in pharmacy. And if I had done that earlier, I feel like I would have gotten to where I could be a little bit sooner. Um, Mm -hmm. And the same thing with mentorship too. I didn't really have a direct mentor that was working in the field or in any field that, you know, I was interested in and having a mentor, like now I do mentorship. Now I am a mentor for, Uh, students through my uh, local organization. And, um, you know, just seeing that what they've been able to accomplish from advice I've given them, I really wish that when I was a student, I was more involved with trying to find someone to be my mentor. And I feel like that would have been able to get me um, a little bit, um, you know, uh, better in terms of knowing where to go in the direction I wanted to go uh, and not having to, you know, stumble a lot of times trying to get there. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. That's great advice. Um, well, Tony, where can our listeners find you? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, you can reach out to me through email at tony.dow.farmd at gmail.com, or you guys can actually just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Although, uh, you know, I am always open to connecting, but I will admit that I'm quite behind in messages right now. So um, just feel free. You could drop me a a message or email and I'll try to get back as soon as I can. And the Pharmacy Informatics Academy, if they want to learn more about that is like pharmacyinformaticsacademy.com or or what's the the link for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, pharmacyinformaticsacademy.com. Awesome. Well, Tony, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great to speak with you, and hopefully what I shared would be uh, useful for your listeners. Absolutely. It is a growing field, so love to have great experts like you join and share a little bit more about what life is like. So thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We are going to be relaunching our newsletter. So be sure that you're signed up over at pharmacyadvisory.com. There's a place to sign up for the newsletter and we're going to be sharing some good content there. 
And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Also, be sure to check us out at Talk to Your Pharmacist on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.